so I went to law school and, you know, I got a little distracted in law school thinking, oh, I just want to do criminal work because I also have a heart for criminal prosecution for child sex crimes. That's something that's really near and dear to my heart, which doesn't really necessarily fit into what I'm doing now. But um, in that process, I realized because I wanted to make a difference. That sounds so cliche, right? But I wanted to be able to make a difference, but also have a flexible lifestyle to suit my family and the military lifestyle. And um, the business side of things just ended up really being what was superseding everything else. This is episode number 140 with Rachel Brenke. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. My name is Dave Brown. I'm here with my co-host and partner, Barbara Allen. And we have another amazing interview for you uh, today. Uh, we actually uh, did this interview on our uh, Facebook page. We did a live stream with our guest today, Rachel Brenke. Uh, Rachel has spent over a decade helping entrepreneurs navigate the legality of building their dream and businesses. Uh, she's built her own version of the American dream as a wife, mom, athlete, and successful business owner. Rachel comes from a military family and is also married to a veteran, which accounts for her pull to be especially active in the military spouse community. In this episode, Rachel openly shares her personal struggles from battling cancer to building a business while raising a family to life as a military spouse and how a shocking crime has impacted her own life. She pulls lessons from each of these areas of her life and talks about how those lessons can be used to help others who are facing obstacles in their own lives. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Rachel Brenke. You are listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. Today, I get to sit down with Rachel Brinke. And if I go through her entire resume, we'll be here for, you know, half an hour or so. So I'm going to hit on just some of the highlights. You know, on top of being a mother of five, a military spouse, now married to a military veteran and living the whole military, the hectic whirlwind of a lifestyle that those who've lived it fully understand. Rachel somehow managed to get licensed in law and she's licensed to practice in more than one place. And even in the Supreme Court, I think I saw, which is pretty freaking cool. Virginia, Texas and the Supreme Court of the United States. Rachel, she's a cancer survivor, mother of five, wife of the army veteran. As I said, she runs multiple businesses, including a law firm, business consulting and the Business Bites podcast. She's an author, she also just for kicks competes in Ironmans, including <laughs> like, cause why not like out there in, in the world championship level, I might add, not just like, you know, local triathlons and all that. No, she's, she goes all in. And I feel like anything with Rachel is, is all in you're either all in or you're just not in at all, um, which is amazing. I love it. I love the mindset. You've been through things. I think that everybody here is going to connect with in some level, whether it's as a mom and wife, um, I like that you're open about how you battle postpartum depression, that you've dealt with cancer was an issue. Now you're battling a, a lung disease in one of the most dangerous times to be battling a lung disease. And it, you're still out there like with a you're still out there adding value. And that's my point. Like instead of focusing on 
oh my gosh, all this is going on. And just withdrawing and protecting the inner circle, you're still like putting yourself out there, adding value and doing so in a real way, in a way that a lot of the uh, people that we see out there don't necessarily do. You're not out there saying, be the best, do this, get up, do 20 push-ups, but you know, as soon as you get out of bed, be perfect, do your hair, you're like, dude, it's chill, do it at your own pace, but just do it. You know? mm-hmm. So thank you for taking the time to be with us today. I'm super excited to of launch course. it. I'm going to stop talking here in a second and get to you. It's giving people more of a chance to pop on before we, you know, we heard about your, you know, your wisdom site. So let's get going. Let's start with your story, Rachel, after that gigantic, um, resume list, which again, I know doesn't include everything. Let's, mm-hmm. I mean, just earning a law degree, let's start there is an achievement, but a notable achievement and, be, and being, you know, licensed to practice in all those different areas. Is that something that you grew up like wanting, you know, wanting to do? No, not really. And it was actually the military that spurred me towards doing law, it's kind of an interesting path. I mean, as most military spouses or just military connected have, um, when I had the cancer, like you mentioned, I was very young. I had just turned 20. We only had one kid at the time. Nathan was in and out deployed to Iraq. And so I knew I wanted something flexible. And so I started dabbling in entrepreneurship, online-based type businesses to be flexible. But in that process is when I realized that there was not a lot of information for business owners out there on the legal side of things without actually going to an attorney. Um, Because you have to consider at the time that this happens, you know, you list this whole list of things that I'm doing, but it's not all what I'm doing right now. Like this is over a decade, beyond a decade, almost 15, 16 years of doing all of this, that at the time, there wasn't a lot of information out there. So through that process of my own entrepreneurship, needing to be flexible with him being deployed, my health and all of that is when I realized that there was a gap and a need for entrepreneurs to have legal information as well as for myself. And, you know, I've always enjoyed legal information. I love crime shows. And so I went to law school and, you know, I got a little distracted in law school thinking, oh, I just want to do criminal work because I also have a heart for criminal prosecution for child sex crimes. That's something that's really near and dear to my heart, which doesn't really necessarily fit into what I'm doing now. But um, in that process, I realized because I wanted to make a difference. That sounds so cliche, right? But I wanted to be able to make a difference, but also have a flexible lifestyle to suit my family and the military lifestyle. And um, the business side of things just ended up really being what was superseding everything else. And I grappled for a long time. This is way more than I think you wanted with this answer, but I grappled for <laughs> I grappled for a long time of this idea of, you know, am I making a difference? I'm just providing information for other military spouses to have flexible businesses. I'm just doing this, right? Just, just, just. And I really struggled with, you know, you're not making a difference. You're not taking criminals off the street. And then it finally, oh, I don't know how many years into it, I realized I am making a difference because I'm helping to improve the quality of life of military spouses who may not necessarily be able to have a full-time career because of moving all the time, because of deployments and TDYs, PCSs, and all of that. So it, it took me a while to get there. So the answer is no. I didn't really expect for law to be Um, something I always wanted. It fit into the story. And then now I'm excited that it's a piece that helps to provide and kind of grassroots ground floor 
um, help others. And it's something that is, it's a side that a lot of people don't want to deal with, but you got to deal with. (laughs) So everybody needs, needs that, um, that support and that guidance. If you're going to be serious about running any kind of business, you do need to not necessarily even understand it yourself if you don't want to, but then bring in somebody who does understand it to cover it for you. And it is a super important thing. There's a lot that you said there that I want to touch on and make, you know, make points because uh, did you say you were 20 years old and you had one child when you're diagnosed with cancer? Yeah. Yeah. We were stationed at Fort Hood and it's funny because, you know, you see on the movies or TV where they call you, you come in, the doctor sits you down, but in true military fashion, that never happened. You know, they did the biopsy. I, Oh, I had one surgery and they're like, no, it's not cancer, not cancer. And they never called me in. And all of a sudden I'm getting a phone call from the scheduling, you know, like call center saying, Hey, we need to take out your malignant tumor. And I'm like, what? And I'm only 20. Right. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And so, yeah, true military fashion. I mean, that was kind of, they did take care of me very well during the whole removal and my subsequent treatments. But it's just funny because I was like, you know, everything's always got to be different when it's military connected. And I guess getting your cancer diagnosis is no different. They're just task oriented. Like it was on someone's Mm -hmm. list, like, okay, well, you know, but navigating your feelings and your emotions doesn't roll into the machine of the military. You know, it's like, but you know what, being 20 and having it, I mean, I still, you know, you have this mindset, it'll never happen to you. So I don't, I think it was not that I wanted cancer, but I think it was better having it then than necessarily now, because at 20, I was like, okay, great. Well, let's just take care of it. Like it wasn't this, I didn't, it didn't really sink in, I guess is what I'm saying. I was so naive because I was still so young that it wasn't getting it in that way then was not as devastating, I think, as it would be now. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, So what happens then after that? Was your husband deployed? Was he around? You were home with one child. You obviously had four more children after that. (laughs) Yeah, we, um, (laughs) yeah, we, um, I'm trying to think of how the timeline, because it was all kind of a blur of having babies in deployment. Um, Isn't that crazy? Actually, like you I don't know. even remember what order they came out in or who was when you're like, it was just that period of my time when I just, this is what was going, but at the moment, in the moment, like the moments are like tick by, right? And now I know the world went, all right, carry on. Well, sorry. even now he'll ask me, he'll say, yeah. what year was I in Missoula? And I'm like, okay, so I was pregnant with such and such and I was living <laughs> here. Okay, these are the years, you know? Yes. Um, so we, he was in and out. It was during the big, you know, 15 to 16 month long army deployments. And I was very, I'm very lucky to have parents that have, you know, came down and involved. He, my husband was actually not even able to come home from a training school when I had my radiation treatments and I couldn't be around my son. And, you know, true military fashion, I feel like, um, at least then I feel it maybe perhaps now, I hope it's not that way for other spouses. And we just kind of went through the cycles of different deployments. Uh, did have secondary infertility between the first and second. So there's almost five years between them. Went to Walter Reed, worked, you know, did um, uh, fertility treatments. Nothing worked. And so after his third deployment, we just said, you know what, forget it. You know, it's too hard. Don't, we didn't want to go down the path of any more treatments. We sold everything. I signed up for law school and found out the next week that I was pregnant <laughs> with number two and that he would be deployed again. So I ended up having two and three, my first and 
third year of law school, which I don't recommend. And he was deployed for a good portion of that. I know. (laughs) But you know what? I mean, I feel like that's just the military spouse thing. You just do it it. because when would have I done it otherwise? Because there was no end in sight for deployments at the time. We anticipated on him staying in. You just do it. Yeah. And I used to joke, I'm like, you know, my husband, he, I'm like, he'd come home, I'd get pregnant. He'd leave. I'm like, okay. You know, I know. <laughs> that, was the, the, that was the cycle. He'd you know, deploy here, deploy there, off we go. Right. Um, and he wasn't, you know, well, whatever, that's a whole other story. But so, yeah. And I, I like, I want to point that out too, because you just in that way, like brought up a point that often we wait for the time that seems perfect, right? Like I want to do this, but I have to have all these ducks in a row before I'm going to do that. And what is the difference between like planning and preparing for something so that you have a good foundation to do it on and over planning to the point of stagnation and and never doing it? Um, The thing is, I feel like I kind of had an edge on, I've just kind of jumped into things for the reasons you just said, because I also grew up as a military dependent. My dad was United States Air Force for 24 years. So I never really have been the one to super overanalyze things when it comes to making choices. I just kind of did it. I do think it's important to balance it with what else is going on. I mean, we would have to sit down. My husband and I would have to say, okay, how are we going to do this? Because like the first year of law school, when I had signed up for it, he wasn't yet deployed, you know, the schedule shift and everything. And so we had to sit there and weigh, is it worth being apart? Then he was deployed the second year. Um, and so it was just, for me, it's kind of been, let's just jump into this and figure it out and tough it out since it is something that is important to me and important yes. to us and to have a support to do it. Um, I think you don't want to become so paralyzed. Like looking back, if I had sat there and gone, how hard is this really going to be? You know, and, it, and it's easier because I had a support system, but how hard is this really going to be? And there's a chance he could miss the birth and you're going to be doing this all alone. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you because I don't know right. if I had ever ended up going to law school then. Yeah. And that's, that's huge. And I love that. I love that you did that and it works out. And it's true. Like if you're going to, to do it and it's hard, it will be hard and maybe it'll suck sometimes, but then at some point you get through it and you're like, oh, you know, you did it right. And do you think that that gives you or like that mindset? So you're going to law school, you got two or three kids at the time you're going to law school by graduation by graduation. (laughs) And then you get to graduate, you know, with the young children that that's an achievement to have Mm -hmm. those, you know, three little kids there at, at one finish line of law school. And then years later, you had five kids and a husband at the finish line, a literal Mm -hmm. finish line of, of the Kona, right? And like, of all championships, that was a phenomenal experience for us to all get to enjoy and get to share our story. NBC sports um, involved us in the premiere and they came to our house, you know, they interviewed my husband, they talked about our military story and everything. And so that was really nice to get to share that, you know, and as you're talking and I'm thinking about this interview, my story really is not unlike so many other military spouses I know, especially I'm in an organization called Military Spouse JD Network. And there's many women in there who've done the exact same thing as me. And so it's interesting that in terms of Ironman and sports and all that. There are in law school and everything is, uh, yeah, I mean, so it's funny when I'm in like a military 
conversation with you like this and we bring up like all this stuff, I'm going, oh man, you know, I don't feel so special here. Whereas on the outside world, it's super unique. Um, but yeah, anyway, so back to Ironman World Championship, it was nice to get to share that story though with the non-military community and get to be a representation of what many military spouses go through at that level. Um, yeah, it was aired. Yeah, it was great. The whole family went, we had a lot of fun and it was an experience of a lifetime for sure. So how does that come about? Because now again, you're a mom of five and I saw you know, that you were battling among other things, postpartum depression, which is very real thing yeah. and not, and, and not often misunderstood. Yeah. So let me give you a little context of the timeline for this. Um, you know, I, one of the other big pushes for going to law school is that I knew we were getting to a point in our family. We wanted to decide if he wanted to remain in the military, he was coming up on 10 years. So it's kind of like the Fisher cut bait. Um, he ended up medically retiring anyway. So that decision was made for us, but that was a big push for going through the law school stuff. And then, so after graduation, and I'm trying to remember the timing with the babies, all of it kind of was coinciding with my businesses were taking off, but we were also having these changes of him transitioning out of the military. I was having health issues after my cancer. Um, it, it's hard for me to maintain my weight. And so I would gain a lot of weight, was very high risk in my pregnancies. And it was a combination of everything, including the postpartum at the time. There was a lot of stress involved. And so babies four and five really are a blur of that of us trying to transition all the military together, learning to be actually a family together since he had basically been deployed for the, you know, the decade the before. Bulk of it, yeah. Yeah. Everything. And so we, um, anyways, the postpartum depression, I finally realized that I needed to get it under control and I wanted to do it in my own way. Of course, why not? Hard headed. Might as well do it. (laughs) And one of the things that I also was realizing that I needed to take control of my health. And so that's how I ended up starting to run, which then turned into triathlons, which turned into Ironman World Championships. Did you say, and I know you did, but I'm going to ask you to clarify and go into this. You said you were starting, you were running your businesses, plural. And you mm-hmm. just kind of just casually drop that in there. <laughs> like, so, you know, I'm a lawyer and I'm running businesses and I'm raising five kids and then I start training and that just like bleeds into triathlons and Ironmans, you know, but mm-hmm. because you've lived it and it's your normal, it's, it's normal thing. Right. But for, I'm going to go ahead and say like for the average person, all mm-hmm. of the, that high level of intensity and work and experience is not normal. Right. So, you know, no. it's like, it's above a threshold. So like, how do you like running one business and raising kids is often like where people mm-hmm. would, would stop, you know, and right. You know, that's a great achievement and it's a big balance and it's a hard balance. And so mm-hmm. how did you like bleed into multiple businesses and what are, talk about those businesses, what they are. Yeah. So the way I've structured my branding is that I am the face of every one of my brands. And the great thing about that is, is that I put out there that I am multifaceted, that I have experience in running online businesses, being a podcaster, writing books and all of this. And so that I am then the funnel to funnel into these different businesses. And so, yeah, it can be very difficult to advertise each of the different ones, but 
all of the businesses and I'll list them here in a second, but all of them have something to do that are my personality. So one of them is I have legal blogging and resources for fitness professionals. Well, that came out of because I was an athlete. I am an athlete and I was working with coaches and realizing there was a need there. I did photography during law school as a way to help financially support us. So I have a legal blog for photographers then the law firm, and then all of my stuff of the podcast, just more general entrepreneurship. So they all kind of intertwine together. And going back to what we said earlier, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of different businesses and some days it can be overwhelming, but these weren't all built at the same time. Like I, they're very siloed. I would start with one, get it to a good place. And then as my own interests have grown and life has grown, I kind of copied and pasted those processes and workflows over and common theme, what we talked about, I have a really good supportive system at home. And I also have built an online network of virtual team members. So I'm not single-handedly, but at the time that we were just talking about, this is when all this stuff was really taking off. And I was learning how to manage. I was learning how to parent. I was learning how to do all of this, learning how to not be a military spouse because he had gotten out at this point. It's a difference, he was commuting. Yeah. yeah, you know, and so all of that kind of came together. and. Yeah, I would say that I was just barely staying afloat at the time. And it finally was like this aha, you got to get it under control. And I started with myself, which may sound selfish, but I started with my health and what I needed because if I was emotionally in a better place, I could be more productive for the businesses, for the family, everything else. Yeah, uh, that is great. So how did you then, how did you manage the the kids part of it, the kids aspect of it while you were running (laughs) all those businesses and and Um, while you're doing it now, right now you're locked home with everybody's locked home with all of our kids. (laughs) Uh, Right now I'm very lucky because we have two two other adults live in this house that can help me. But we, um, at the time, and I have a book, it's called the laundry list. I'm getting ready to pull it and rewrite it, but I am going to keep the story I'm going to share. I remember, and we were joking about this before we got on here. I remember that I would have to shove all of like client work or getting on the phone with people during nap times and, or I'd have to go hide in a bathtub. And I remember huddling in a bathtub, trying to do like a client (laughs) phone call while I hear the kids looking for me in the house and like the bathtub was still wet and I'm just like trying to talk. And, but it was very ridiculous, isn't it? Yes. It's (laughs) ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And you just make it work. Yeah. Well, here we are doing it again, right? Even though I put all the supports in place, we can't leave our houses now. So we're, we're doing it again. Like I'm holed up in my room right now, but, um, at the, so at the time, I didn't have a lot of help. And then that was actually one of the big turning points is my husband and I finally said, we need to have someone come in to help. And so we had a friend who came in to help part-time and gradually transitioned into more of a full-time position as we became more financially stable to do so. And I think yeah. that's one of the hard things when people ask, because they're in the very same position, well, how do you get to that? And it's, I don't even know. We just saved as much as we could because we knew how important it was in order to alleviate a lot of the stress. Um, I mean, we're talking, these are newborn babies and it was, yeah, it was very difficult, but I, I was about to say, I wouldn't change it. There are a few things that I would change out of it, 
But I'm glad I learned the lesson of when you realize that you're burnout to the max, something has to change because I've always been a type of person, let's just power through no matter what. And I think sometimes military uh, pushes that mentality, but the reality is for you to be effective in anything that you do, you have to realize when you get to that point. Yeah. What are some of those things that you would change that you would go back Um, and say to yourself, Hey, there's a better way. Um, I would probably start doing more self-care of working out sooner, getting outside. I remember vividly one day looking up and I hadn't changed my clothes in like three days. And I realized, you know, kids spit up on me, all of this. I realized I hadn't left the house in days. I hadn't seen another adult than my husband. And that was very sad at the time. And of course, this was all during postpartum as well. So that had an element of it. But I would, I think I would reach out to tell people more instead of lashing out and not knowing why, but I would communicate to say I'm drowning as opposed to trying to take it on myself because it was still coming out, but in unproductive ways. I love that you said, I'm writing down that key point, the difference between reaching out first lashing out. And Mm -hmm. I haven't heard anybody put that, those two things together before, but now that I have, it's, it's like common sense, like, like, brilliant simplicity. Right. And there, there is a difference. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think that can be one of the things that holds people back from asking for help or for offering help. Right. Like if you have a family member coming to you and just spewing all the anger and frustration out on you, you don't even know how, how to help them. All you know is that this person's pissed and the rage Mm -hmm. is being directed to you and then you can get your defenses Mm -hmm. up. Right. So I think that's a huge lesson to learn. If you reach out openly and honestly. And like, and I think part of it is too, you have to look at the time. So this was about seven years ago, yeah, almost eight years. And you have to look at also the messaging that the industries that you're in are putting on you or society and social media. You know, we went from this picture perfect, have to look like you're doing everything. And the pendulum has swung or at least in the last couple of years to yeah. now you can show the realities of what it's really like. But during this time as people were championing, look at all that you did. And I couldn't say, I can't do it all. I mean, now I'm like, I don't do it all. I don't cook. Like I don't, I don't do everything. But at that time I didn't feel like I could say that. And yeah, it was, it was not a productive time for, while the businesses look good and successful on paper and I learned lessons out of it. Um, I don't know. It wasn't very productive when it came to interpersonal and in my own, you know, relationship with myself for the reasons you just said. Yeah. And it spews out, right? You're listening to the American Snippets podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here again, real quick, and we'll get right back to this week's episode. But first, I wanted to let you know about an offer that we just put out there. It's your chance to get a free t-shirt from American Snippets in conjunction with our brand new community called The Great American Syndicate. The Great American Syndicate is for proud, grateful, patriotic Americans, and most, most importantly, driven Americans who have that entrepreneurial spirit, people who want to pursue more out of life and live their own version of the American dream. Our community is all about connection, collaboration, and contribution. So if you want to claim your free t-shirt, all you have to do is pay shipping and handling. Go to greatamericansyndicate.com. Supplies are limited, so act now. 
So you have this podcast, Business Bites podcast, and I want to talk about that for a minute. Um, there are a lot of people, and I would imagine now during this COVID-19 lockdown that we're going to, there's going to be a lot of babies, forces, and podcasts, I think, mm-hmm. you know, in the next nine months, like coming out, right? But, you know, it's easy to make a baby, but it's not so easy to launch a podcast if you're going to do it, you know, with, with a with a mission in mind rather than just mm-hmm. launching a podcast. So what is the mission behind your podcast? When did you start it? And what are some ways that you use to get that launch and growing that other people can, can try themselves? So Business Bites podcast format is quick education for busy entrepreneurs. It is a mixture of solo, so just myself talking to you guys, or interviews. And they'll stay between 12, 15 minutes when it's just myself, 20, maybe 30 minutes when we have um, guests that come on the show. And the reason that this came about was out of my own struggles is I was finding that I know that education is important. So whether I'm doing it for my own self-growth or for business growth or relationship growth, I needed to go, I was trying to go out there and find education that I could do quickly, you know, maybe when I was doing laundry or when I'm running or something, but I was finding that a lot of podcasts that are available, they spend 20 to 30 minutes of talking about fluff and there's no real tangible takeaways and they're so long. And when you only have X amount of hours in the day, and I only have carved out an hour, hour and a half for education, I wasted half of that trying to speed through all the fluff that was out there. And so I said, you know what, let me, because I have all this knowledge that also doesn't necessarily fit into my brands or that can be used for more general entrepreneurship. And that's what the podcast is for. They're not so very narrowly targeted specific industries. It's more general information that can be applied to any industry really. And that's where I land all of that information. And right now it is, I spent all day two days ago, just recording COVID-19 coronavirus specific pod uh, episodes because I center around a lot of legal business strategy um, approaches. So right now there's a lot of questions about like CARES Act, stimulus, how it impacts small business, how that impacts if you're an employer, you know, your income and all of that. And I For the most part, though, my episodes are evergreen. You can utilize them anytime. This is really the first time that they're more time sensitive. And but we're still taking it and taking half the podcast. Like when I've interviewed a financial advisor, we talk half COVID and then half how business owners can prevent these issues for when something else like this happens in the future. And so we're still trying to make it evergreen. You know, I'm glad you said that about we're going to see a lot of podcasts and stuff. And I'm excited to see the innovations and the content that comes out of this time period. I think that is one of the silver linings that we're going to see. But I will tell you, having a pod, well, having a podcast can be difficult. Um, It also depends on how you're structuring that, though, into your life. Maybe it isn't your business. It's just a creative outlet for you. That's fantastic. Some people go into podcasting because they want to earn money from podcasting. For me, the podcast has been around, I believe, about two, it'll be two years, I think, this August. And we, it's not my main focus. It is just a tool and arsenal of tools that I have. It kind of helps to drive people to the other brands and provide information. So we do have sponsors 
but really for the most part, it's just premium information to be able to help share uh, a bit about my life um, and on my own terms, even though I do a lot of interviews like this and I've great, great hosts that let me just talk freely, uh, but I'm able to share my tips and also provide legal information. And I guess my big point out of that is if you're looking at creating a podcast, figure out who you're talking to and why you want to do it, because that's definitely going to demand how much of an investment of time and resources that you want to put into it. You can bootstrap it easily. And I think a lot of people are finding this, like we're using Zoom for this. You can use Zoom to do podcast interviews. Um, So there's a, you know, there's a spectrum of ways that you can do it from just hobby all the way up through full time, but it'll, it all depends really what you want. And I think the big you know, it's interesting you say it's hard to keep a podcast going because it is like you have to routinely create new content. So you're on a content treadmill. And I don't know how many times I'll go out looking for new podcasts and I get excited about what I see, but then I notice they haven't put a new episode up for three years. And yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. What's yeah, the point? You know, they yeah. fall off. Yeah. Because it is, it is something you have to feed every day, you know, every week, you know, on a consistent basis. What would be like some tips you have for somebody who is maybe home now during this, this, you know, isolation quarantine, and they have something they're good at. They have a skill, they have a market, they have a niche, and they want to get that, that specific content out there on a podcast platform. What are some ways that they could start right now from home? What, what would you advise them to do? Um, are you talking about doing it for like a business? Yeah. Like for a business thing. Yeah. They want to teach. They have something they want to teach someone and 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 attract them to their to their brand or to their company. Yeah, I would start with. So I have a formula, and I need to actually do another episode of my own on this. But I have yeah. a formula that I work through anytime I'm going to create a new project, whether it's a podcast, a new post on social media, and it's client avatar plus unique selling proposition. So who is it, the client avatar, our audience avatar, who is it that I'm talking to? Who is it that needs to hear this? And then plus, what is my unique selling proposition, right? There's tons of legal podcasts out there. So for me, what is my unique selling proposition? It's my story. It's that I am an entrepreneur as well, and I can tie that together. So that's my unique selling proposition as well as with the short format. So if you're going to sit down to create a podcast or anything, Take that formula and run that through your mind every single time you're going to do it. And that is going to help you create your title, your description, pick which platforms you're going to be on. Before the show, we were talking about social media platforms and how there's so many to cultivate. Podcasting is the same thing. You don't necessarily want to just push it out to all, all these platforms. I mean, you can. It's relatively easy with RSS feeds. But you have to be intentional about which ones are you going to cultivate because, and it, it sounds a little contradictory from everything that I've been doing, but you really have to focus on very specific platforms with that formula in order to be successful to get audiences, to get, I was going to say readership, but listenership, is that a word? Yeah, yeah. It is now. <laughs> it is now. now in my dictionary, it is. But to get <laughs> listeners that are going to be loyal yeah. and engaged with you. Yeah. So that'd be the next step too, is, you know, after you identify your audience avatar, unique selling proposition, identify what platform you're going to focus on and also how you're going to record it. Uh, Whether you're going to do Zoom, you're going to do audio, you're going to do video, you're going to do a combination thereof. And the one good thing that I absolutely love about being an entrepreneur is that you guys can start a podcast right now. And let's say 
You just don't want to get all fancy dress up, put on a bra or whatever. You can do it. That's just audio and start with that. Maybe you don't want to yes. stick to a specific schedule. And as you evolve, add things onto it. That's the beauty. You're in control of it. Love it. All right. And one of the things that we always try to bring in with, with people to, you know, our guests or to add, add to our audience are tips or insight and guidance on how to take even upsetting things, traumatic things, maybe depending on, on who we're talking to, but you know, some things happen in life and they just knock us down. They take us by complete surprise, you know, happened to you with your cancer. Um, but in this instance, I'm talking about your dog. <laughs> I know it's oh, sad. No. I know your dog, but, um, so I, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit of what happened with Archer and how you then, because it's not only something that happened that was upsetting and terrible, and it's not why we're focusing on it. What I want to get to is that you've taken that and you've blended it with what you do. And you're now you're even using that. You're, you're like the spin doctor, right? You're like, well, if something happens to me, I'm going to take what I know and I'm going to like focus it and target on something positive, which I have immense you know, respect for. So can you take us through that? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, it was May, 2008. Um, our dog was stabbed to death by a neighbor and heartbreaking my best friend witnessing it holding him and all of that but I think the biggest issues with the situation is that my young children were very near my young children were witness to it and you couple that with the fact that your whole sense of security is shaken you know, you don't know why it happened and it was at your home. And it just, to me, it was traumatic in that it was one of my first real brushes with like an immediate trauma, immediate. Like out of the blue, it's a normal day and just boom. Yes. And that happens. I mean, I'm all, yeah. 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 Well, you know, that's the thing. And that's why it's weird when people are like, well, it's just a dog. And I'm like, but it represents a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Like for me, it was a turning point in life and that it was my first real brush with grief. And it wasn't just grief over the dog. Like it was grief over, you know, that loss of security, what could have happened. It could have been my kids and all of that. You know, I've lost family members before to cancer and, but you knew about it. You know what I mean? Like you had right. time to process. This was a very instantaneous thing. And you mentioned that I'm the spin doctor. And I think that one of my, I'm a very control type person. So in a situation that is out of my control, I look to see what can I control? And one of the things that I absolutely, I was gonna say love, and that's a bad word, but I love the people that came out of the woodwork that after this happened, even though it was a dog, we were surrounded by community, surrounded by um, even people I didn't know, um, our mail delivery person reached out. Like it was a uh, whole thing. And yeah, it was nice to see community. But one of the key things is as I was digging in to see what we could do against this individual, I realized how crappy the laws were. And I was like, well, I'm a lawyer. Let's do something about it. And I just made the offhanded comment and my community of other legal friends surrounded me. We were having, you know, bills pulled, which now you guys have probably seen in the news within the last year, that animal cruelty, felony and all this sort of stuff. But in the state of Virginia, like at the time, and actually it still is this, but my dog wasn't worth any more than if you broke my iPhone, right? They were equating Probably the less, same. yeah. Yeah, less, actually yeah. was Because there's a monetary value on the iPhone. Yep, you have a receipt for that, baby. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like he was only quote unquote worth what we paid the shelter for him, which was right. like 60 bucks compared to a thousand dollar iPhone. Anyways. And it was just, it was awesome to see and be able to have a sense of control in the face of grief that we were able, and we're still working on it. It's been slowed, but um, with everything going on, but we're yeah. able to work to see, to actively make changes. So we're setting up Archer's Advocates, which is a nonprofit, been doing some fundraising over the last few years. It is slower going just because life is happening. But um, yeah, it was my way to process the grief. And I, and again, not just about dog, but everything else surrounding it. No, I, I get that a hundred percent. And when I had messaged you, you were like, oh, but it was just a dog. I don't know if that counts. And, and that stuck out at me. People say that often to me. And once they find out, I'm like, oh, you know, my husband was murdered. Like, oh, well, this isn't as bad as what happened to you. And on the one hand, like, I, I appreciate, you know, the sentiment or the space, which that comes from, but on the other, everything you just mentioned is applicable. Like it counts, mm -hmm. you know, everything, it doesn't matter what the, and I love dogs. I have dogs. I rescued dogs. I ran humane society. Like, you know, I, I love them. So I get that grief, you know, over a dog, but even people who don't have pets, I want to, um, you know, just emphasize, I hope that you and other people never feel the need to like qualify that, you know, I don't know if mm -hmm. it counts because if it hurts you, if it impacts you, if it traumatizes you, it counts, right? <laughs> it counts well, and, and there's no comparing. And you know, what's yeah. interesting is, and this is maybe a bit more, you know, in depth than you wanted to go on it okay. is the way the timing worked is that happened in May. I ended up going to world championships in October and I have been sick ever since. And in that process of trying to diagnose whatever this is that I have is how we found out that I have lung disease, but that's not why I'm sick. It's just some underlying chronic illness. And I have been to Johns Hopkins. I've been to, you name it. And it, it has gotten to the point that I think that my body was so shocked by grief and I didn't allow it time to heal. And actually this past year, um, it's been about a year that I have backed off a lot. I didn't compete with Team USA last year because I was trying to physically heal. It wasn't that I was so emotionally out of it, but I now I'm to a place that I think that and this is kind of when I was saying, you know, I, it sounds so noble. I took my grief and made control and I made a nonprofit, <laughs> but I also wonder if it just didn't allow myself to sit in it and process the grief. And I think that had some to do with the illness and my body finally just goes, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. All of that. And that's, I, I think that's like, I could have you back and we could spend like an hour on, you know, on that track mm -hmm. alone. And everything you said, you know, has so many different tracks that you could take. So thank you for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. Um, one question I want to get to before we have to wrap this up, we started American snippets. I asked you like what your mission, your goal, your purpose for your podcast was every, you got to have one if you're going to start it with mm -hmm. any intent or focus, right? Ours is multifaceted, but one of the big things that we focus on is restoring faith and patriotism in the American dream as unifying entities rather than dividing ones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we understand, we believe the American dream is alive and well, we're living our own version and aspiring to build that bigger and working towards that. And we don't think that it has to look the same for everybody. We don't mm -hmm. think it's anymore the white picket fence in the house and the, you know, 2.5 kit. It looks different for everybody. So we'd like to ask our guests, I'd like to ask you, um, what does that American dream invoke in you when somebody asks you that? Like, what does that call forth in you? What does it mean to you? Quality of life. 
um, I'm one thing that I learned from my parents and that I learned from the cancer experience, as well as being part of the military is at the end of the day, quality of life. So whatever it is that you can do within the freedoms that we've been given, the freedoms that we have and use that to have a quality of life for self and what you can do for others. You know, I mentioned that I struggled for a long time. I felt like I wasn't making a difference in the world. It's because I believe in doing that. And I believe in that quality of life over making money. Not that I don't love to make money. I do enjoy it because (laughs) it's a tool for me to be able to support self and give to others, but definitely quality of life and utilizing the freedoms that we had. And it's so funny. I was thinking about that this morning and almost posted on Instagram, how much I took for granted our freedom to just be able to get up and travel, just to be able to go down to the park. Yeah. And right now we can't do that. I mean, not like our freedom's taken away. And that's a whole like political discussion we get into, whether it's legal yeah, yeah. or not. But it's definitely, I'm gr- grateful for what we're going through right now. And I definitely want to inject a bit more of what you just, you know, what you just asked me, what I just said of capturing our freedoms that we do have, the privileges we have in this country to further our quality of life. Love it. So if people want to catch up with you, connect with you, learn more about you, work with you, hire you, whatever, how, how's the best, how do they best find you? Rachelbranke.com is the main website. It links to all the other different things that I have going on. Um, We have a chat form. We have a contact form. You can also catch me on any of the social media sites. I'm primarily um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, not so much. Um, I don't do Snapchat or anything. I'm too old for all that. I know, but, um, I know, right? <laughs> I don't even know how to use it. I mean, but so yeah, those are the main yeah. ones. If you guys have any questions, I am an open book, as you see. I'm more than happy to share my experiences. I'm more than happy to talk and give any advice that I can because I think I went through the things that I went through to help people. And so feel free to reach out. Awesome. Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. We truly appreciate you. We're going to wrap up the live session now and ask you um, one more question, a bonus question for our, our inner circle mastermind. I know, okay. Dave's changing the course on me. We're not wrapping it up right now. I'm going to ask you one more question from our viewers. <laughs> Tara, Tara Tiffany. Hello. Um, they have another military spouse podcast, Real Talk with the Misses, which you should definitely get on the relates to the military community. But anyway, they ask, those days or nights when it was beyond hard, like really, really hard, and maybe almost seemed impossible, and you wanted to throw in the towel, how did you keep yourself from quitting? I couldn't. Um, and I, I, it was more, well, it was a couple of things. I was remembering why I was doing it. I was working hard in order to allow him to leave the military if he wanted to. So we'd be financially stable. Um, It was recognizing that if I didn't keep going, I was going to have to end up working for somebody else. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to take away from my kids. And then it's just sitting there, give yourself a cry, but then make a tangible plan. How can I make it so that I'm not up at 2 (laughs) a.m. studying and then getting up at 5 a.m. to go to law school and all of this? How can I make a plan to make this better for me. And so those are the big things. And I still utilize that approach of why I'm doing it, um, seeing what my alternatives would be and making a plan to change it so I don't continue feeling that way. Awesome. Thank you. 
All right, everyone. There you have it. That wraps up another episode of the American Sippets podcast. If you got any value out of today's episode, please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Share this podcast with a friend. Share it on social media. Make sure you follow us, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at American Snippets. I'd like to thank Rachel Brenke for being here today as well and sharing her story. Don't forget, we do a full article on our guest each and every week. So just head on over to americansnippets.com. Check out the featured article of the week with Rachel Brenke. Um, check out the article. Rewatch the video interview in its entirety. Uh, and we also include some social media links there so you can follow Rachel, visit her website, uh, check her out on social media, and follow her on her journey. Again, we appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. <music>